1: 63, 64, 94, 119. No, you're not listening to Powerball. Those are the dates for openers that I'm real interested in. 63 equals squirrel and rabbit. 64 for doves. 94 for deer. 119 until I can holler at the top of my lungs, Rooster! Rooster! I can't wait. I'm like frothing at the mouth with pent-up hunting excitement right now. Hunting is coming, people. There may still be a global pandemic going on right now, but hunting is coming. Anyway, episode 6. This is our first first first-gen story, other than my own, of course. I'm hoping to have many more of these, actually, in the future. But today, Brandon and I are interviewing my baby brother, Jake. It's a great story with a lot of first-gen follies, but ultimately a story of success. I hope it puts a smile on your face and you feel like you are sitting around deer camp laughing along with us. And now, for your Audile Entertainment, Episode 6, A First-Gen Story with Jake Boucher. Hey, thanks for coming back. Episode six coming at you right now. I have two people that I was able to con into joining me on the show tonight. One is your usual favorite host. That would be, of course, the famous, notorious Brandon Martin.
2: Hi,
0: Brandon. How are you? doing fantastic. I will say a little something, you know, a reference to, you know, when I was at college, cause you know, uh, Kent and I go back to the college days and, you know, there was, there was actually another guy with a very similar name at college and at college, pretty much no one knew me. I was only the guy that I was the guy that drove a big white pickup truck, but there was this other guy who was very popular in football and he was a very popular guy. And people would say, Oh, you know, Brandon Martin. And they were like, Oh, th- this guy, no, no, no. Brandon Martin, uh no no i don't know that guy so <laughs> so so i'm I'm thankful to be uh doing something that i really love with talking about hunting and this type of thing
1: this is this is the place i'd like to be you know so this is good stuff
2: <laughs> good good
1: you're famous you're famous to the first gen hunter podcast that's for sure no, I, and, and i appreciate that
0: <laughs> and so far
1: my mom is tuned in so you're probably famous to her <laughs>
0: We'll take it. Hey, we will take it. <laughs>
1: That's right. No, hopefully hopefully by episode six here, we got a decent little following going, and we are thankful for each and every one of you to tune in. And just to show you how thankful we are, like I said, we brought on a second guest tonight, my youngest brother, Jake. Jake, thanks for hopping in. I didn't have to... Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I didn't even have to bully you into doing this, you know, usually... <laughs> Usually, yeah. there was some kind of uh, coercion involved when I would get you to do something I needed <laughs> you to do.
3: Yep. Yeah, I remember you always made me uh, go play football with all the neighbor kids, and I just wanted to dig holes.
1: <laughs> you yeah. me along. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Jake was more of a, a nature boy when he was a, a little kid. He didn't. He didn't get too okay. interested, but he ended up being the best football player out of. Um, okay. the, the three Boucher brothers. So sometimes
0: know. the tide turns, you know, no, hey. that's right. <laughs> so what I'm
1: thinking here is you kind of owe me since I made you do all that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: like pounding stakes in the ground and making me tackle them.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'd have to improvise some like tackling dummies for him and stuff. I, I yeah, run right. all right. out. You know, one, one funny hunting and fishing story course jake and i are both first gen hunters so they're it's not a hunting story (laughs) spoiler alert so a fishing story um that involves uh some level of older sibling coercion here um jake loved fishing and me being almost five years older than jake i kind of played a, somewhat of a role in his early days of fishing has kind of shown him the ropes although he's a way better fisherman than me today uh, i think i admitted that in the last podcast and i talked about uh the uh musky trip <laughs> here jake let me try your fishing pole for a while nope, nothing <laughs> but uh, uh in these early days of course you know jake couldn't even tie his shoes yet let alone tie a a lure onto his fishing line, and so I was one of those people who I still am i'm I get lazy about tying new lures on I've gotten much better, and i've as a result caught more fish but i usually when it was on there, it was on there until the line snapped and if I got a snag or something, I would work at that until I exhausted all possibility of getting my lure back without having to to cut the line or something. And so yeah. I, I remember once we were fishing. We had this hot spot. Of course, it was all shore fishing. We were just kids. We had this little hot spot that was under this overhanging tree, so that nice shade mm. you in summertime mm. fishing, you know. Yep. And, yep. Uh, of course, most of our fishing was done with bobber and worm. Yep. And I had the classic... Let go of the uh, um, cast a little too early and oh, does the, wow. you know, like 15 wrap around the low hanging branch. And <laughs> yeah, it's just snagged impossibly. There's no way you're getting it out. Well, as fate would have it, Jake snaps his line like moments before. And he's like, for the 30th time that day,
2: can can you tie a new lure on for me?
1: And you know, you know those light bulb moments where just like you have this epiphany of how to get yes. out of your problem in a much easier way than what you originally thought you were going to be able to pull off? <laughs> That's what happened. Nice. I'm like, you know what? I could probably wade out into that water. I mean... Jake could probably wade out into that water and snap that (laughs) stick off, and I could get my (laughs) line back and not have to tie a new hook on for myself at least. There you go. But I don't want to get wet. So I struck a deal with poor young Jake here and convinced him to wade out into the water and do that for me. In return, I would tie a new lure onto his line. (laughs) The one condition of our deal was do not tell mom and dad. (laughs) So what does Jake do about four months later when we're having some, you know, we're on some road trip with the family and for whatever reason, I must have ticked him off or something. He brings up what I told him not to tell mom and oh,
2: dad. Oh man.
1: And even mentions that I told him not to tell Oh dad. the dagger
2: goes in. Oh man.
1: Needless to say, I was I was uh in some uh trouble at that point.
2: <laughs> had to
1: earn back some trust with my parents. Yeah, right, right. So
3: it was totally safe though, because that's when mom used to make me wear my life jacket when we shore fished. <laughs>
0: I'd I thought, wear it underneath I my she sweatshirt. She still made you do so that. No one would know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I
3: looked like a very fat kid when I fished, because i just wear a sweatshirt over top of it.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: no, no one clear, will clearly, clearly, she knew something was going to happen before <laughs> it actually happened. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I should have. I should have brought that up. You lost your trust in me. <laughs> Evidently, you never had it. You're making You're this right. kid additional life life vest. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, Jake and I have had some adventures together for sure, and today's podcast is going to be about that. But before we get into that, I promised you, faithful listeners, more like baited you with a a, a story, a reason to come back, right for episode yes. six. And I know Brandon was pretty excited about it. Yes. And so I'm finally going to uh, break the news on what it was that was so cool that I made you wait to hear. Now, I've probably oversold it thoroughly, but uh, I'll do my best here to keep it exciting. Yes. One of the things that has really led to me becoming a first-gen hunter, so again, somebody who didn't have any... Background in hunting, growing up, was wildlife. I love viewing all things wild and living. I mean, even even if you get me uh, in in the right grove of trees, I can stand there for a while just examining trees and look at uh, and and basking in the the beauty of nature. Right, but I especially get excited over uh wildlife and i i've uh have burned into my my memory times when i've seen bobcats while driving down the road um you know i'm constantly scanning for deer on field edges or turkeys or Mm. if a pheasant darts across the road you know that's that's something that's not leaving my memory yeah well My grandparents, they live in a really good spot for viewing wildlife because there's just enough habitat to hold quite a few different types or species of of animals, but uh, they also have a lot of open ground. So if you're just scanning, you know, while you're going down the road, you can usually detect something of interest. Well, this one, this case didn't even require that. This was literally in the road right in front of me. Now, keep in mind, I'm a Biology teacher. Ecology is my favorite study within uh, life sciences and and was my favorite course that I took in college. And read books about wildlife all the time. I listen to other podcasts about it. Watch YouTube videos on them. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to to wildlife (laughs) viewing. I I study the Iowa DNR website for information on different uh, species of animals that, that call Iowa home. All that kind of thing yeah so i have a decent idea of what i'm looking at when i see something and so we had just left my grandparents house they live on a gravel road out in the out in the middle of nowhere and uh we were headed back home from from visiting them and all of a sudden my wife and i see this critter out in the road in front of us oh maybe i'm gonna say 75 yards Mm-hmm. It was pretty sizable, and it had this posture and shape that was unlike any other wild or domesticated animal I've ever seen in Iowa. Yeah, and then it started to—I mean, hop doesn't quite define it. Maybe more like bound. This yes. this was very similar to a kangaroo hop or bound. Wow. And I'm in Iowa, not Australia. My grandparents, <laughs> right. my grandparents, do not live in Australia. <laughs> they do not live near any zoos. And the first thought was, "What is that?" In fact, my wife actually said that out loud. She's like, "What is that?" Yeah. And and it, I was like, maybe somebody has like some weird exotic farm. You know, sometimes people will do that. They'll have <laughs> they'll have a uh, yeah, if you go on Netflix, you can learn about that a little bit right now, right? <laughs> but uh, um, they'll have these just weird animals on there, you know, that, that you would never find naturally there. Uh, but so I was like, maybe somebody had like a wallaby, a pet wallaby get out or something. I don't know. It, it just, and then all of a sudden it just dawned on me. It's like, boom, that's, that's a jackrabbit. Iowa wow. does have a very small... Jackrabbit population, wow, and, and that's what it was, and and uh right before we could get right up to it and, and get a real close examination of it, it turned off the road down into the grass, and the fact that it could disappear into the grass like that told me that you know it was it was right consistent with the size of a, a jackrabbit, right? Yeah. And so my grandfather had told me again; he's lived on this farm for eighty three years. That's how old he yeah. is. he was born in the room he sleeps in, yeah, that's amazing, and yeah, it is. It's pretty small percentage of the world population could probably say that, especially in the u s where we like to move around a lot, but yeah, he said that when I think he was probably a young teenager and he was working in a far pasture on their farm, really on the back south end of their their farm, and he had seen a jackrabbit and so you're talking maybe 70 years ago since wow since then and so you know it's always kind of been in the back of my head well grandpa saw one at one time maybe maybe uh, they could still be around and so i uh they're they're rare enough to where iowa dnr has been doing a study on them since 2006 where they've um asked people to email a uh Description of their sighting and and where they saw it, you know, like uh, even down to not just county level, but township and yeah. section of that township. So they try to get as specific as possible. And, and so uh, I, I, I emailed the IODNR guy and we started talking back and forth. Turns out this was the first reported sighting in the county that I uh, saw this rabbit in. Wow! Yeah, that is incredible. Yeah, it was it was really cool, and the county just to the north uh, had a sighting recorded as well. So it was uh, uh, you know kind of the proximity to other sightings, but yeah. the first one in that actual county. So that was wow. That was pretty cool. I felt really privileged. It was nothing that I did, right? <laughs> I mean, that I is could, amazing, though. I could maybe feel. A, like I like I could get a little more credit for it if I had been scanning out in a field and seeing how the, this thing was literally hopping in front of my truck <laughs> the right place hey, at he, the right he, time He wanted to
0: be seen he wanted to be seen That's All right. Right. <laughs> I'm still here
1: man yeah so super cool thing and then uh it actually ended up I need to email the the guy back he sent me uh this this uh long um uh basically a a thesis paper that somebody did for some post-grad work that he helped with on studying um, the jackrabbit population in Iowa. And man, I've just learned so much about this animal and it's it's such a cool animal. You know, if I live somewhere like probably like uh, Arizona or New Mexico or something, Mm -hmm, where I I think mm -hmm. they're pretty common in those Texas. Yeah. um, Maybe even Oklahoma. Uh, If I lived in an area like that, you know it probably wouldn't it'd be like you know seeing a regular uh what are they eastern cottontails i think yeah um, yeah yeah not a big deal but here in iowa they they certainly are quite rare and um kind of a historic animal as well they they were more much more prevalent at one time and and turns out as i was uh, educated by um uh, this uh, biologist for the DNR um they really what kind of ruined their uh chance of of making a go at it in the midwest specifically was uh um the invention of the tractor and uh farmers started growing more um corn and soybeans and less mm. oats and oats if you're going to have ag and and jackrabbits on the same landscape, oats and and pasture to feed yeah. the the horses, basically, those provided better habitat. And so, ah. when you didn't need workhorses anymore, then you didn't need food for those workhorses. You could turn that pasture and those oat fields into, um, you know, a more uh, a more Profitable. Profitable. That is the word. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Co-host of the, of the years. It's just <laughs> saving me. A more, pro- <laughs> a more profitable crop and, with corn and soybeans. So uh, really interesting stuff. And just a reminder to always keep your eyes open. You never know what you're going to see yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Wow. That yeah. is,
0: that is so cool. You know, it's kind of funny because out in, in our neck of the woods in, in, uh, Delaware, like I, I grew up and you would see, you know, Eastern cottontail, you know, rabbits all over the place. I mean, I, we like uh, a cottontail rabbit was the first game animal that I ever shot. Uh, nice. actually as a, as a kid, you know, Thanksgiving day, you know, when I was probably oh phew, I mean, I don't even eight years old, maybe, you know, I was out there and, and my dad took me and, you know, that that was my, first game animals that I was ever, ever able to shoot. But in in subsequent years, the, the, like the, the Fox population has gotten so big around these parts that it's really hard to really really find a lot of rabbits. Yeah. It's crazy. And actually coyotes are just now starting to come into Delaware in the last couple of seasons. Um, coyotes have been spotted in Delaware and so they're growing. And so we're kind of fearful that that's going to kind of further decimate the, uh, the rabbit population. But rabbit hunting is one of those, one of just one of those fun things to do. You know, it's, it's a, it's a young man's game, you know, especially if you don't have dogs, if you have, you have dogs, it's great. If you don't, man, you're, you're jumping in briar yeah. patches and trying to kick them out of there, and it's it's
1: it's a tough but rewarding game when it works out well. Yeah, rabbit hunting that can that can be a lot of fun. So, Jake, you're the you're the guest of honor tonight.
2: <laughs> oh, and man.
1: and uh, this is uh, what we'll classify as a first gen story. Um, mm-hmm. Our listeners have gotten to hear me talk about some of my first gen stories, and I'm sure they'll get to hear. Many more as um, time goes on. But we want to focus in on your experience getting into hunting. And so I guess a great place to start would be what is your what was your prior hunting experience um, before you um, had success? So I guess that's kind of a spoiler alert here. Um, we're going to talk <laughs> about Jake's uh, first successful hunting trip by the end of the show. But yes. be- before before that trip, Jake, what was your prior hunting experience like?
3: Yeah, so I guess as a kid, we, we shot a lot of small animals with our pellet guns and whatnot, um, a lot of birds. And so that was the majority of it until about... Uh, I guess 2017. I had a little exposure to it in high school with my best friend. He took me hunting a couple times and just to kind of sit there and watch. And that was, I always wanted to do it. Um, I always just kind of pushed off getting my hunter safety uh, <laughs> license mm-hmm. because sure. I didn't want to be a, I don't know, a 20 year old in a 12 year old class. I just thought it'd be <laughs> weird. And so I put it off and put it off. And then I, you moved to Iowa, Kent, and you were able to get your hunting license or your hunter safety license by taking it online. And mm-hmm. so that was, and then I, I really wanted to get it once I moved uh, to Iowa after college. And so, but then even better than that, they started doing a, uh, what was it called, Kent? It was uh apprenticeship. Uh, yeah, hunting
1: apprenticeship. Hunting apprenticeship.
3: So you have to do nothing except for put your social security number in online, and then you get two free years of uh, hunting with somebody else. And so oh, that's very cool. That Because that, I, I didn't want to go through the eight to ten hours of classwork. I just kept putting mm. it off. And so I bought my time uh, for two years <laughs> yeah. that I could uh, do the apprenticeship. The only downside was I had to stay with Kent wherever I went. But um, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but... Then you, can, you can't really spread out. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but it's good because then you get to learn under someone because you're right next to them and you're safer because they can remind you of safety things. But, sure. um, yeah, that's what really turned me on to it because there was a, another option than just taking the class. I could kind of do it at my own pace and mm-hmm. not have to use up a weekend or a Sunday or something. So.
0: And is, yeah. and is that is that, you know, pro- program that you're talking about, that's, I guess, specific to Iowa and maybe, not to, to my knowledge, Delaware doesn't have it, but maybe other states around the country have it where you can do something like that to facilitate the, the apprenticeship side of things. So that was something that, that Iowa has in particular. Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few other states that do it. I think I recently heard that maybe Montana has started one recently. And Okay. Um, I don't know. Jake and I grew up just on the the other side of the Mississippi River in Illinois, and I I'm not sure if Illinois does that or not. I don't I think f- they did it,
3: but you had to do a field day or something. Okay. okay.
1: Yeah. You still I, ended
3: up having to spend like eight hours.
1: Yeah. Outside with yeah. twelve year olds type of thing.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. Right.
1: So. The, i've i've think i've mentioned this on a previous episode the the apprenticeship program and i've s i know i've praised the iowa d n r for being such an excellent agency and and being really uh i guess forward thinking with a lot of their policies that they now i know it takes uh you know more than just the d n r to to make state policies and laws Uh, but but certainly uh dnr helps uh pull these things together get get these ideas uh and and then push them through until they're they're you know officially accepted as state law and and Mm. um this is one example of where they really got it right Uh, because of the exact things jake just mentioned you know you there's it is a bit of a of a commitment or an investment, I guess you could say to go get a hunter safety certificate, you know? Yeah. And maybe somebody's not really sure that that's what they want to spend their time doing because even though Jake was able to do the online course and I was able to do the online course. And I think that that as well is a tremendous idea, um, that States offer that, um, it takes you time. I mean, it's not just a, uh, you know, people might think that oh, I would just fast forward through all the <laughs> all the stuff, go straight to the quizzes and, and be done with it. But uh, they put timers on each and every page. That, so, yes, you they know. do.
3: Even if you read it too fast, you still can't advance.
1: And I'm you not write. a fast reader. Yeah. And so, yeah, even if you... Yeah, even if you get ahead of the timer, you are still got to wait for it to, to finish up before you can advance. So you do have to invest that time to get through the material, and it's nice to have that hunter apprenticeship plan because that really gets people hooked on hunting, I think, especially if they yeah. have a good experience like yes. we're going to hear about today. So yes. uh, there are, of course, some reasonable limitations within that. Jake was not able to go hunting without another licensed hunter you know Mm -hmm. so so he couldn't just say you know what ken's busy today but i'll just go out and and he couldn't do that and when we were hunting we couldn't like you said split up and hunt different stands all that Mm -hmm. hunting had to take place um together so as long as he had a gun in his hands i had to be there yes whether there was powder in it or not right jake Mm -hmm. i don't know what you're talking about let me just say that our our icebreaker on our last episode was most embarrassing moments hunting
3: (laughs) (laughs) it was cold okay
0: click
1: Mm -hmm.
0: what we actually jake what we actually discovered last time is that um Actually, it was planned because it, this was to make sure that Kent was able to get the the deer. So it actually worked out okay. <laughs>
2: That's
0: right.
1: That's right. right. Then I had dibs next year. Uh, yep. Yeah, so, so good. You eventually ended up getting your hunter safety, but you were going through, you were taking advantage of the two years of the hunter apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, embarrassing trip here. With I guess we can't really say misfiring muzzleloader, just the uh, <laughs> the powderless muzzleloader, maybe <laughs> the, the powderless black powder season that we uh, that, that we we made an attempt at. So, was that your first time ever hunting when when we went on that trip?
3: Uh, no, I think we went. Bazett hunting at least once before then, didn't we? And then we went deer hunting. Oh yeah, another time before then at uh, Grandma and Grandpa's.
1: I yep, think. that's right, that's right. And and if I remember correctly, the gun season happened first. We did the the early the first weekend of gun hunting uh, for Iowa, and I think I had a antlerless tag. And mm-hmm. you had your statewide tag. Is that right? I think so. Okay. So so uh, that trip was, other than just getting to show Jake the ropes, pretty fruitless, right, Jake, if I remember correctly? Yeah, we saw
3: a coyote. Um, <laughs> that's <about laughs> that's right, it. yeah. And all the neighbors seemed to be having success. as you It sounded like the 4th of July all around us, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did not have success.
1: Yeah, there were there were no deer that that we saw that day. And a big part of that is probably um your mentor hunter was only uh maybe a step and a half or, or maybe two steps ahead of you in the hunting game at that time of course i had my hunter safety so i could i could make sure we were safe but i wasn't very good at making sure we would we would uh see game <laughs> have any have any targets but um yeah we didn't see anything that trip and then we went pheasant hunting and i think we had some success there right
3: yeah um yeah, I think it was you, me and Ben and uh yeah, I think you and Ben shot the pheasant at the same time or something, didn't you?
1: Yeah, this pheasant flushed and we both had a bead on it and and uh it wasn't a very good shot by either of us, but we combined our two shots combined knocked the bird down anyways and there uh, you go. the dog's kind of did the rest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but that we got one of my favorite hunting pictures ever out of that. Uh, nice. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, there was a lot of excitement. I think wasn't there? I mean, yeah, it was some...
3: really cool. Uh, the pheasant really burrowed himself into the grass, and you kind of think, well, it's lost cause. There's no way." And then I don't know if it was Sophie or Theo that found it like a hundred yards away. It wouldn't wow. Spot around. Wow.
1: Yeah. I bet. It, I bet it was more than a hundred yards too. I bet. I don't know. That thing really traveled. It, was, it wow. was. a It was a long way. But, yeah, uh, but it was really
3: Theo cool. wouldn't leave it alone, and just like, "Come on, Theo, let's go find the bird." And he's like, "No, I'm staying here."
1: It's yeah, the yeah Theo dug <laughs> into it. the
3: grass, and there it was. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Bird dogs are amazing, and, and honestly, that I'm glad that you and Ben were able to to see that because for somebody who's never really gotten to to watch a gun dog work and just see that instinct kick in and the the ways they are suited to survive puts us to shame right and and so i think that that was cool for for you and ben ben also being another first gen hunter maybe we'll get an interview with him at some point but that uh was cool i think for you guys to see and maybe even whether you've thought about it or not maybe even added to some of that excitement that made you want to come back for more
2: Mm
3: -hmm. yeah for sure
1: Okay, so let's so now let's get to the infamous powderless uh, muzzleloader hunt. Um, that was a late muzzleloader hunt. It was mm-hmm. really cold. It was in uh, January, uh, early January, and we were seeing a lot of deer uh, that trip, right? If I remember. Yeah, correctly. I think
3: the uh, first night we got out there, we saw. A whole bunch go run up the hill when we first got there nice and
1: yeah one had
0: you feeling had you feeling good about things yeah Yeah, kind
3: of got your
1: adrenaline going and yeah okay. yeah for sure um i think even if i remember correctly when we finally got set up that evening you got a shot off is that correct
3: yeah there's a little doe that's running and uh, <laughs> i missed and i don't even think i even came close to hitting her so I think yeah, she's still alive I, and
1: well. I think, I think she stopped for a second or at least slowed down. I think it was a, it wasn't a, I don't, I don't want anybody to think that this was an unreasonable shot. It was, it was a, I think it was a, a, you know, it was a ethical was a doable uh, shot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially for yeah. your, your first deer. But it was, it was, um, it was kind of a far shot though. Maybe, maybe a uh, 70 yards or so. And Jake had his first sense of buck fever. I'm sure (laughs) that feeling, Mm -hmm. even though it's just a you know a doe. If you've never had a gun or a a deer in front of your gun, then that's you'll get it. It's it's, yeah, and and honestly, that's what keeps you coming back in in many ways. Absolutely, you can. It's it's crazy how quickly you can forget the hardship of hauling all that gear and. Mm And uh, sitting there and not seeing anything for hours for the <laughs> those few minutes of when the deer show up, it's it's yes. crazy how that works. But okay, yeah. So we had gotten in there kind of late, right? We we had a little bit of a drive, and uh, so we only got that evening hunt in. Then we went to our hotel, and we got a good start at it in the morning, right? And then uh, mm-hmm. would you uh, kind of take us through that?
3: Yeah, so we got out uh, before light, obviously. And yeah, so I, I loaded up. I thought I loaded up my muzzle loader. Um, <laughs> it was pretty dark and it was pretty cold. And so I got all loaded up. And we began our walk. We walked all the way out there. I think we got there before the sun came up, or it was just coming up, I think. Um, and. Yeah, so we were sitting there in the spot that we had seen deer the night before, so we felt pretty pretty good about it that we'd see deer there again.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: And um, I think it was, I think it was corn in the field at that time, and so or there wasn't any up, but that, it was a cornfield then. Um, uh, and Then so yeah, we got set up, felt pretty confident, I was pretty excited, and I. Uh, I think i busted out my snacks right away kind of <laughs> get settled nothing warms you up like some good snacks and uh yes yeah, so i think i was just going through my snacks drinking my powerade and i think you saw that buck pretty early on didn't you Ken? yeah I, it I'm, was like 15 minutes in
1: yeah we had i mean we had timed it perfectly of course you know maybe like like uh 20 other deer <laughs> <laughs> Funneled through before him, but yeah, we weren't there long and nice eight point buck. Um, you know, nothing monstrous by any means, but but definitely a, a great first buck for mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. to take a take a shot at. And I can't remember, Jake, did I did I say something to you? I was like, hold on, hey, hey, hang on there a second because I think we were probably not as quiet as we should be, although we were doing okay. I mean, like you mentioned, you were messing with the snacks and stuff, but I think I had to grab your attention, didn't I?
3: Yeah, I couldn't hear you over my chewing. <laughs> you yeah. can't take a man from his snacks, okay? <laughs>
0: that's
1: right, that's right. Yeah, and so that, that uh, buck, he came right into view, right? I was still a really new hunter then. I, I'm trying to think. I think the only bucks I had seen while I was hunting before that point was the night before. We saw that one. He was a really nice buck. He was over on the neighbors, so we couldn't take a shot at him. But uh, we we saw him the night before. And then I think all the other bucks I had seen while actually hunting were, uh, of course, uh, Murphy's Law here while I was pheasant hunting. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> And, and so I had had some, some close encounters with bucks, but I think this was the first encounter I had with a buck while I, you know, I had the green light to, to shoot.
0: Now, how was that for both of you guys? Like being that you're, you know, it's your first experience in that, with that type of thing. How how did you guys feel with things?
2: Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah.
3: I thought it was. I thought it was really cool because it's like, man, you see deer this fast every. Because I think we saw deer the night before within 15 minutes,
1: too. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> man,
3: this is pretty cool. I mean, you see deer all the time.
2: It's great. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 It was, it was uh, just that. The The thing I just keep picturing is like he he showed up over the crest of that hill and you just instantly see the antlers you know and mm. and antlers don't look would you agree with this brandon antlers don't look like what they do on the wall when you have that's your, very true your very, euro very mount true. or your shoulder mount yep. up on the wall Yep. when yep. you see them out in the field that of course they're usually especially when you're gun hunting much farther off mm-hmm. um, but you just know they're there and that level of of uh buck fever that you get when you just see Mm a a deer or a or even a like a small forky buck or something walk in front of you just instantly dials up by a thousand wouldn't you say Mm -hmm. oh yeah and you can just like see the the sun like glisten off of those antlers a little bit and and uh i was i was just stoked and Mm. And then what happened, Jake?
2: Yeah,
3: so you took you took a shot, and you hit him square. I don't know where you hit him, but he stopped right where he was standing, and he didn't take another step for a little bit, and we both looked at each other like, yeah, we got him. And uh, then he started walking. He, I don't think he ever really ran until no. he shot again. But, um, yeah, so... Then you're like, Oh give me your gun so I can take another shot. And so you lined it up and all you heard was a click. like, oh man, we must have misfired stupid muzzle loaders. I hate muzzle loaders. Yeah. And, and then they're like, Oh, I can't believe it misfired. Our luck. Yeah, man, that really stinks.
2: And I was like, Yeah,
3: it stinks and uh, yeah, so then I think you loaded up, and by this time he had limped. Oh, I don't know, a hundred yards or so.
1: But he never um, really, he never really increased his distance from us because he went okay. in like he went in like a arc motion. Mm-hmm. So I guess when he was at the farthest part in the arc was when he was farthest away. But by this point, he had worked back to probably the same distance as when I, I first shot at him. So it wasn't mm-hmm. neither shot. Both shots were actually quite easy, and. Of course, the easiest shot was when I used Jake's muzzleloader, and I will say I will say this: um, it was cold enough. I after that first shot, I had started to reload my muzzleloader. I can't blame this all on Jake right here. Had I just stuck with it, but the problem was: have you guys ever read that story by? I think it's by. Um, it's a short story. I think it's by Jack London. And the dog it's, one, not the dog one. Uh, no. It's called to... Yes, it actually does have a dog in it. It's called To Build a Fire. And yeah,
0: that's what Oh, I yeah, yes. The,
1: the guy, he's like walking out in the Yukon, and it's like 80 below zero or something, and he falls through the ice, and he's trying to get a fire going, and he does, and uh he's... um He's like warming himself, saving himself from dying of hypothermia. Although I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. if you fell into ice water and it's 80 below zero, you'd be dead before you'd be able to say the word hypothermia. But <laughs> right. but anyways, he's, he's trying to build that fire and uh, he gets it going. Everything's good. But, you know, the part where all of our hearts drop to our stomach mm-hmm. is when... Uh, Jack London tells us that he builds it under this snow-laden pine tree, and the heat from the fire causes the snow just to shift enough in the branches to where, like, five feet of snow dump right directly onto his uh, his uh, fire and just totally erases his, his fire from existence. And then they just describe this painful moment of where he's like... And so the man tries putting all of the sulfur matches into one hand, because his hands are basically frozen meat hooks at this point. And he's, like, (laughs) slamming his hands together, trying to get the matches to light. That's basically what my hands were like when I was trying to reload my (laughs) muzzleloader. I'm, like, trying to get the cap out, and I'm, I'm, like, like putting my hands together my fingers together like chopsticks to try and get them to
2: (laughs) to try and get a
1: a cap out and and so by that point i was just like wait a minute there's another muzzle loader ready to go right here (laughs) so i thought and of course uh yeah nothing happened but in that i was able to get my gloves back on Uh, i think i intentionally like put my gloves back on because the deer like Jake said the deer really wasn't moving quick I, mm-hmm. I think he never ran did he Jake he was just kind of slowly hobbling from that first shot right
3: yeah I think so
1: and uh, finally I get my hands warmed up enough to reload my gun because we think Jake's gun is out of commission at this point we think yeah. he's got a hang yeah. fire and we're going to have to use a bullet puller and everything else and, and um so uh i get mine reloaded i get this perfect easy broad side shot get a chance to lean up against a tree and everything and i still can't tell you what happened i mean i i our listeners have heard this story before with with the how i didn't end up recovering this deer um but i knocked him down right jake I mean, yeah, you can, you can, ver- circles. you can you can verify that. Yeah. I mean, just what, Crazy. what you would think of was a slam dunk kill shot. This thing's, he's, he's going to have a, an easy, um, quick, painless death. And, you know, you've heard the story. It turns into heartbreak, but yeah, uh, he dropped. In fact, he got up after that, after laying there for a while, he got up, and dropped, what, three or four more times, Jake?
3: Yeah, and then... And we gave him 45...
1: <laughs> yeah, we gave him 45 minutes because he dropped so many times. It looked like he was truly hemorrhaging and, and, yeah. and he was, you know, losing consciousness on his feet. And so we gave him 45 minutes before we got down to where he was. And as Jake just said, we bumped him. And, you know, because of the urgency of us having to get back on the road there after that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. afternoon we kind of had to trail them and jake once you um as a first time hunter at this point obviously i was devastated by the whole thing because it was my first buck it was not my first deer i'd already killed a doe at this point and but this was my first buck and i was pretty upset about it but what was it like for you i mean you probably we're getting the feeling that your day of hunting was, was not going to be a part of, sorry, Jake, you have an apprentice tag. You have to help me.
3: (laughs) You took a a shot last night. (laughs)
1: That's right.
3: Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah. So I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I really like hunting, but I like more of the adventure of it. I've always kind of liked the more of the adventure than the specific activity, even with fishing or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was just happy to be along. And I thought it was cool that we could track it. And it was easy tracking because there's snow on the ground. Um, And so I just had a blast doing that. Um, And plus then kind of on your, one of your, I guess my second deer hunting trip, uh, you get to track something, you get to get some action. And also you get to learn all about, tracking the easy way with snow so um Mm. i just thought it was a lot of fun paying attention to detail i know a couple times kent kind of got discouraged like oh there's no more blood what do we do and i was like there's got to be blood and so i'd find the littlest speck and then it's like oh yeah we found some more clues and so it was i just had a lot of fun tracking it
1: yeah good i'm at that point you know the stress of trying to recover a, a wounded animal and brandon and i kind of talked through the emotions mm-hmm. that go go through that mm-hmm. um just because it is a reality of hunting unfortunately <laughs> it's one that you have to kind of face head on but yeah yeah i guess i i was it one of the thoughts in my head while this was going on was this isn't just so that everyone listening doesn't think i'm the i'm trying not to sound like the worst big brother ever right but but well, one <laughs> of the one of the the thoughts in my head was man Jake doesn't get a hunt anymore today until we find this deer and <laughs> and so that was kind of like what was when we'd hit those points i mean we we tracked this deer for i think it was over 5 hours and Phew. and several miles and you, you know mm-hmm. one of the other great laws that Iowa has for hunting is without a gun or a weapon you can freely track um, a wounded animal onto anybody's property without permission. Mm-hmm. That's,
0: and, that's such a cool law. That's yeah, great.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and and so we we did our diligence. And like Jake said, there would be times where I was like, maybe we should just stop because we're not seeing any blood. And then Jake's right. He would find the tiniest little speck of blood. So obviously this thing was clotting up. But then we'd find its bed again, where it would bed down, and there'd be a whole bunch of more blood, so then it would be enough to be like, "All right, we gotta keep going and yeah, and of course, if you've listened uh I think it was episode three where we talked about this is either episode three or episode four um you know i we ended up having to call it off, but one of the things that was kind of making me you know feel that urgency to like. When we wouldn't see any more blood to be like, maybe we should just stop because this feels kind of selfish for me at this point too, you know, where, you know, I just want this deer and obviously I I don't want him to suffer, but I also don't want Jake to not be able to hunt. Right. So it's encouraging to hear that you enjoyed that part of it. And and I sensed that you were enjoying it. And that's, that's kind of what made me not have to feel <laughs> so guilty about that while we were investing so much time and really all of your hunting time and in trying to recover that deer.
3: Yeah. It was just, it was a lot of fun. Plus yeah. it kept us warm because man, I was wearing
2: <laughs> a pair of bibs.
3: I think I wore a pair of coveralls, fully insulated and a pair of bibs and my Carhartt on top of that. Mm. So, I didn't sweat a drop. It was freezing.
1: Yeah, it was and really so cold.
3: I was just glad to keep moving.
0: Yeah. Plus my well, well,
3: snack stash is probably out by that point <laughs> too. <so.
0: laughs> well, and I, I mean, I really like what you said too about just the adventure of things. Because I think for for those who who get into hunting and stay into hunting, uh, you know, I think it's it's – that's a lot of what it's about. It's about the adventure and, and the mm-hmm. things that go into it, not simply the harvest. And so it's pretty cool that you, were you know, experienced that firsthand as a true first-hand hunter in that experience, you know, just truly enjoying the adventure and kind of the peripheral, everything that was going into is pretty neat. Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: Yeah. Now here's something I've never asked you before, Jake, and I just thought of it now. Uh-oh. As you can imagine, Brandon, I had this like, supercharged drive for redemption going into the next mm-hmm. season like mm-hmm. like yep. you know i that whole ride home i was like texting friends like hey this is what happened and you were sleeping
3: the whole ride home
1: no i, I not, <laughs> usually yes not this time though i was i was uh i was so tore up over it i was i was texting people and experienced deer hunters that would then you know be like yeah you know i would i would have done the same thing and and just basically trying to make myself feel better, right? But, but uh, maybe I did sleep a little bit. That usually makes me feel better. Yeah. 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 Maybe I mean,
3: texted I, for twenty minutes, slept for the other three hours, forty. Some, minutes. Hey, some
0: sometimes when you're sorrowful, you just need to sleep. You know. That's what I mean? right. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Again,
1: co-host of the year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get a trophy for you or something. Uh, yeah. So. Jake, did you have that same, I, I, I'm sure it'd be impossible to have it to the same extent, but did you feel like, all right, this was really fun. I also am bummed that it, wor- it went the way that it did. I want to try and have a better experience next year. Did Did you have any of those kind of thoughts?
3: Uh, yeah, I was just excited to uh, just get out there again. And I knew we had seen a lot of deer, so... I knew our chances were probably good Uh, we're going at a different time of year so um that's a little bit different but uh i was just excited to get out there and do it again i I wasn't really looking for redemption i was just hoping to see more deer Mm. just spend more time out there
1: yeah yeah for sure so yeah let's go ahead and go to the next year we'll fast forward a year here (laughs) and this hunt as you said it was an early muzzleloader hunt we went uh we had to do that because um as i've explained in previous podcasts uh, margo was born my daughter margo was Mm -hmm. well she wasn't born yet she was coming uh right around that late muzzleloader uh, season and so i had to change my normal plan and uh hunt that early season and Mm -hmm. uh why don't you talk about some of the drama going into that trip, Jake?
3: <laughs> yeah, I totally have forgotten how busy October was the year before. And I just forgot that that's one of my busiest work months. And it's one of the busiest just life. Everyone plans things in October, it seems like. And so, you know, when you plan it back in June or whatever. Yeah, I can go in October. Yeah. That'll, mm-hmm. that'll be no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> You get to September, and you're like, yeah, I can still go. And then uh, then you get to October, and you're like, oh, no, I have something every single weekend. And my wife, she had a gallbladder out, I think, the week before, or maybe two weeks before, mm. and so she still wasn't feeling 100%, and um, she does wedding photography for a full-time job. and. Uh, She had some weddings she had to do by herself, so she probably would have felt better if I would have gone with her to help her on those weddings. Yeah. Uh, But we'd already planned this, and so I felt bad about it. She said I could go. It was totally fine. But I felt bad about it, so I didn't want to take advantage of that, her being totally awesome and saying, no, go ahead and go. Um, I didn't want to take advantage of that, so I told Kent, hey, I can really only hunt that day. That we plan to go and I just got to take off um, after I can't hang around too long because I need to get back for her. and so I was feeling rushed going into it again um, so so it was kind of like up until then almost a little bit of dreading it because uh, you got so much stuff going on but mm-hmm. then kind of once it's set in stone you're in the truck everything's loaded up um, and you're on the road then you know, nothing else can really get in your way, um, and so you're you just get ex- you start getting excited on the drive, which is nice. That it's a long drive because it kind of builds up the suspense a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing um, else could get in your way except for getting your tags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I think even the day I left, we had
3: plans with friends or something. We went to an apple orchard, and so <laughs> we had a drive separate. I think Gigi had a wedding or something same day. And when we got to Iowa City, I totally realized that I'd forgotten all my tags at home, and I had no clue where they were. So I couldn't even tell Kent where they were to pick them up on his way. And so I was like, <laughs> "Oh man, they might be here." So I don't know if I called you, Kent, but I think I just went into Shields
2: and yeah. said,
3: "Hey, here's the deal. I forgot my tags at home. Can you guys reprint tags?" And like, "Yeah, sure, no problem. Twelve bucks." And I was like. Oh, okay. Deal. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I got him printed off. And then after I left Shields, I was feeling pretty good then.
1: Yeah. So definitely some, I don't know, some hurdles, I guess you could say. And, <laughs> and, and Brandon and I have talked about this before as well, where it's awesome how generous our wives uh, mm. are with with giving us the time to to go out and do the stuff we love but yes. you're right we don't want to you don't want to get to that point where um you know you're the it's kind of like the neighbor that always uh borrows stuff, yeah, he always says yes yes <laughs> like, yes, yeah, it's because they're nice, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so you' do not to take advantage of it <laughs> right, yeah, you don't wanna you don't wanna push your luck too much or anything, so you're right, you're right. You don't want to put them in a bad spot. Yeah, so we get there. We we did have to drive separately because of all this. And Jake got there first, got to the hotel first, I think maybe a few hours before me even. And as yeah. Jake has uh, so uh, carefully alluded to, um, I do have some trouble staying awake while on the road. <laughs> and <laughs> a little bit of uh, narcolepsy. <laughs> and and uh, uh, so... I, I have to make like multiple stops, you know, for like a coffee or snack or something just to, just to like shake off the, the mm-hmm. sleep for my eyes, so to speak. And so, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I finally get there in late and, uh, I mean, once we're there, it's like, all right, time to get to bed. And, uh, we, we got up pretty early that next day, right, Jake?
3: Yeah. I can't remember what time we got up. I
1: think it was before 4. I think it was maybe 3.30 or so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um,
3: Yeah, and then we drove over to the farm, and I think we had kind of forgotten how far of a walk it was. Yeah. And so we started huffing it, (laughs) and (laughs) as I was walking, I was, no, never mind, that was the year before I thought, I'm never coming back here without a four-wheeler because I did come back with a four-wheeler that next year, because I was yeah. not walking all the way again. But we didn't <laughs> want to scare any deer, so we said, oh, we'll just walk it. It's not that far. And it's a, a lot farther than you remember. Yes. And um, so I think we got there kind of right as the sun was coming up, didn't we? Yep. And it was kind of, it rained the night before. Was It, it might have been raining that day. Um, it was overcast, I know. Um, it was just kind of soggy morning. And yeah, we got set up and yeah, we sat there for a little while and we weren't seeing anything for, I don't know how long we sat there for, um, but it's a good while. And we, so we decided to move, uh, down to a hay bale blind we built, uh, the, that spring. And as we were moving, that's when I, uh, I saw some deer.
1: Yeah. So, before we, before we get to this part here, this bale blind we built, there's a bit of a story Mm -hmm. there. And I also want to talk when you were, when you were waking up that morning or maybe even on your drive to, um, the area where we hunt, um, did you have any goals in mind, um, whether or not they're based on your previous experience or not? Did you just have like, what, what, what were you hoping for? I guess. muzzle loaders so cool and such a headache muzzle loaders are like your first date you're super excited but you're desperately trying not to screw things up well there is an article about that on firstgen but for all you listeners i have a bonus tip yes something you're not going to find in that article you might find it in a future article but you're not going to find it in the one that's on there now when you hunt with a muzzle loader be sure to find the powder that works best for your gun yeah that's going to mean a little bit of trial and error you might have to bum some uh, uh, powder off of a buddy or something but I, I strongly recommend it there aren't actually all that many options out there so it shouldn't be too hard to uh, turn something up with a little research and by all means stay away from smokeless powder you can find out if your muzzle loader is built to handle it, but don't try and find that out through the guess and check method. That stuff is dangerous. Don't use it. Check with a professional before you even consider buying that stuff. But anyways, once you have the right black powder for your muzzle loader, I strongly suggest you use the granulated powder as opposed to the pellets. The pellets, they just seem to absorb some more moisture and then they can kind of burn unpredictably uh, within your within your muzzle loader whereas the powder seems to burn much more evenly i think all major powder manufacturers make both varieties so uh, choose the one that works best this adds an extra step to the already long list of stuff to do with your muzzle loader but if you have the right storage capsules and measurement tools It's not that much different, and it certainly increases your odds of the muzzleloader firing like you are planning for it to, which then means more backstraps. There's your tip for today. Now, let's get back to hearing from Jake.
3: Hi, I was just hoping to get a good shot because we had Excited in our muzzleloaders, I was borrowing one from a guy from church, and I felt pretty confident if I could put the scope on the deer that I could hit it. Um, So I was just hoping to get a good, clean shot was kind of my hope, and I felt pretty Mm. confident that I could, if I could do that, then I'd be sitting pretty good.
1: Yeah, and turns out he—he's not joking. He was—he's <laughs> was ready to do some damage. But we'll get there yeah. in, a, in a minute. Um, so, what about this uh, bale blind? Why don't you um, explain a little bit of background on this? Because this was probably our biggest piece of preparation, like actual getting ready for the next hunting season mm-hmm. that went on.
3: Yeah, so we we put this bale blind where we had seen kind of a lot of deer travel. And so we kind of thought, where's the best place to put it? And we put it there. Um, I think I built it at home uh, in my basement. I got really tall ceilings in my basement, so I could uh, build the whole thing in the basement and then disassemble it and throw it on my truck, and then we took it out there. And we put it together. But once again, we were rushed for time. Um, (laughs) So when we built it, we put... Couple layers of plastic over the thing before we put some burlap on top and whatnot. And we didn't cut out any of the windows because uh, we took our wives with us and they were very nice to go with us and kind of just spend the day with us going out there. Uh, but it was definitely time to go back home. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and so we like, ah, we can cut the windows out later when we come back. And um, so, yeah, we just left the plastic over the windows. Uh, got everything put together and took off. Not to see it until later in October.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this is like late March when we uh, put this thing out there. Uh, yeah, so that ends up being hey. a part of the story. That, that's that, why
0: that's that's awesome preparation. That's great. <laughs> yeah,
1: and you know we've talked about it before. The importance of access right to your mm-hmm. hunting stand mm-hmm. and. I didn't understand that concept yet very well. (laughs) I'll play the first gen hunter card here. Uh, Just, just uh, didn't understand that concept very well. And so it isn't a good spot for, you know, if you could like teleport there, you'd, you'd be slaying deer, but because that, because we don't have a tunnel dug to it and we don't have teleportation to get us there, it's not really a great spot to access and without spooking deer. Mm-hmm. But but um, that's where we were headed because, as Jake said, we were in a good spot and we hadn't seen anything. And we couldn't quite see down to where that blind was very well from where we were. We could see a little bit. But we had a feeling because of where we had seen deer the night before that if we could get down to that where we had that blind, our chances would greatly improve. Mm-hmm. And so we were... As Jake says, hoofing it again, and uh, kind of walk us through what happened there, Jake.
3: Yeah, so uh, we were walking, and I don't think you were—I don't think you saw them, but I saw two, two or three does come around the corner, just over the tip of the hill, and so I ducked down real quick because they couldn't see us if we stayed ducked down. And I said, "I think there's some deer up there." And they're like, okay, and kind of just waited for them to kind of walk around the corner of the hill and I don't know how far it was 30 yards maybe they were
1: I Um, I think they were closer than that I I think it was more like a 20 yard shot max
3: yeah you definitely have a better memory than I do um but yeah so they were they were close and so I said oh this is my shot that I was hoping for and Mm. uh put the scope right on her and uh i took the shot and (laughs) i remembered to put the powder in this time (laughs) and uh yeah (laughs) and so of course when you shoot the muzzle you can't really see anything yourself because of the cloud of smoke um but i I saw her kind of take off i couldn't really tell exactly where because we were kind of on a hill again and Mm. so i was like man i think i hit her pretty good and uh yeah i saw her run into the bean field And she kind of disappeared in the beans. And so the beans are right next to a a big area of timber. So uh, Mm. I just thought she was in there somewhere. And so we decided to wait a
1: little bit to (laughs) to go look. Yeah, why did we decide that again? Something something had happened uh, recently where we just decided that maybe we should give deer (laughs) a little bit more time. A little bit longer. Exaggerate (laughs) it.
3: Yeah, so we waited about the... uh, I don't know how long we waited. Two hours, two. I think. Yeah, the two longest hours of my life. <laughs> Not just because <laughs> I wanted to find that deer, but because of what happened next.
1: Mm. Yeah, so we didn't give up on our on our quest to the bale blind. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the moment I opened the door to that blind, so this thing's been totally enclosed, you know, and uh the moment i open that blind i see <laughs> i don't know 15 mice <laughs> oh
2: <laughs> and
1: mice you know i'm not a i'm not a fan of them you know i they they but they don't they don't really they more gross me out from like uh are Wherever they've been, you get that mouse urine smell, you know, and yeah, 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 they leave uh, uh mouse turds everywhere and yeah, and yeah. uh they're just messy, you know, they're kind of grimy, but i'm not they, they, they don't like freak me out, whereas Jake, on the other hand,
2: <laughs>
1: Jake, I think, has nightmares about mice <laughs> they're disgusting. And so, you know, I'm like, well, we made it here. We just got to whack a few mice and and, uh, and make it work. And Jake, why don't you just kind of uh, describe to us the, the scene here?
3: Yeah, it, it's not a big blind. I mean, it's like a 4 by 8 sheet of plywood on the floor by, I don't know, 5 feet tall maybe. So it's not a mm-hmm. big area. Mm-hmm. And so... I kind of had that excuse, all right, Kent, how about you kind of get set up in there as I stand, <laughs> stood outside the door and let Kent kill all the mice. And I'm just thinking, man, I I cannot sit in there. there there's no way I can go in there. <laughs> and so Kent killed all the mice that we could see at the time. Mm-hmm. And then it was time to open up all the windows that we had not cut the plastic on yet. And so we opened up the first window, and I bet well, you... Desc-
1: describe what the, the window is here, Jake, because <clears throat> that's yeah, important. Yeah, so
3: the, the window, I framed it out kind of like a two-by-four, so there's was kind of like a four-inch or three-and-a-half-inch space between the window and the plastic,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and on the
3: inside, the I had a piece of plywood that folded down.
1: Um, yeah, it was hinged.
3: Yeah, it was on a hinge, so you, instead of it folding up, it folded down so you didn't have to let it hang on anything. Um, and so we opened that up and for each of the four windows, there was at least probably 10 mice to 15 to 20 mice per <laughs> oh. window. Oh my goodness. And we had to open every single window and cut the plastic oh. off of it. And it was just disgusting because then they scatter. Then baby, oh. those little pink baby mice, they fall on the floor. Oh, and my
2: goodness.
3: I think there was one mouse with little pink baby mice hanging off of her. They were oh, my <laughs> a little, mouse, I'm a little mouse still.
1: On the little mouse udders.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So, and they're, they were just crawling all over the place. But we got all the windows cut out, got set up. And yeah. I told Kent all right, Kent, if you see a mouse about to crawl on me, tell me. And if I see one that's about to crawl on you, I'll tell you. And I think we had a hatchet with us, maybe. And I did my end of the bargain. I told Kent, I have about 20 mice I about to crawl on him, and we killed them. But he just forgot about the deal, and I had to look out for myself. And looking as they get close, I would see them, and I would kind of jump out of the way, and we'd kill it. And I don't know how many mice we killed that day, but probably the uh. same amount of meat worth as the deer <laughs> but it was just disgusting i could i couldn't you kind of sit there stiff you know like you don't quite lean back and make sure all your pockets on your backpack are zipped up and oh it's i hate mice um but yeah, so we call that the mouse house now but <laughs> nice. yeah so it was a very long two hours for me because because they didn't like run away when we got in there, they got curious again after yeah, about five minutes,
1: and it was I mean, although we were hunting October is actually perfect deer hunting weather, um, mm. even though it's right in the heart of the October lull, uh we had a massive cold front move through, so it was mm. it was pretty chilly outside of the blind, yeah, I think that was one of the reasons why we were so tempted to go head for the blind <laughs>
3: right, <laughs> yeah, probably,
1: and so the mice, like Jake said a lot of them we didn't kill they just ran out on their own or we kind of like would would scurry them out or or you know try and drag them out of there with because there was some other extra material in there from building the blind that they were kind of hiding in so we would pull them out with that but then they would start coming back in they didn't want to give up on it so they were Mm. yeah it was a total total infestation i mean just dozens of mice disgusting yeah, it was. Wow. It was re- it was really something.
0: <laughs> yeah, my goodness.
1: So yeah, finally two hours. He convinces me. All right, uh, let's go look for this deer. He he just didn't <laughs> take it anymore. And so uh, what happened, Jake?
3: Yeah, so we walked up to where I thought I'd shot her. Um, we kind of looked around in a circle for some blood, and it was October, so there wasn't any snow this time. Uh, but we found some blood. And I was surprised at how well I how well blood showed up on grass and mm, mm-hmm. uh, weeds and whatnot. Um, I didn't. I after that first year, I was like, "Man, how would anyone even look for a deer if there wasn't snow on the ground?" I, mm-hmm. It just didn't make sense to me. But it shows up a lot better than I thought it did. Mm-hmm. And I imagine if it's nighttime, it's a lot harder. Um, but uh, so we were able to see it right away, and luckily, then she ran into that bean field and the beans are still up and so you could just see a red line that went through the Mm, beans that's nice and so it it, it just followed that red line and to the middle of the bean field and she was just laying there right in the middle Mm, she didn't even make it i don't know 100 yards maybe
1: yeah 100 yards max yeah
0: how was that how was that feeling coming up on walking up on her What, what how did you feel
3: yeah, I was I was excited, but it's still a little like, was she dead? Is she gonna pop yeah, right. up? Do I <laughs> do I shoot her again? What do I do? <laughs> yeah, and then she kind of walked up slowly. Um, that she was obviously dead. Mm-hmm. She'd been dead for a little while, I think. But
1: yeah, she was actually already getting kind of stiff. So oh, okay, yeah. And she died right in front of that blind that we sat in for two hours. Honestly, we just wow. We just we were so committed to. Giving her time after last year's experience, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm, we we didn't even look for blood at first. I think I I kind of think that did I throw like a stocking cap down on the ground by where or glove or something by where we thought you'd hit her? Yeah, something on our way over. Maybe. And so we knew where to go back and look right away, but we just headed straight for that blind and. She was probably dead the entire time we were fooling around with those mice and everything else. <laughs> and so, well hey, I
0: tell you what though, that's learning by experience. You know, you had that experience the previous season and and you know then that next season you're you're waiting, giving it time. I mean, hey, that's awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it and it paid off, you know. It it mm-hmm. we yeah, of course we probably would have gotten away with rushing it, but um just because I think she was dead so fast. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm yeah i mean it, did, it certainly didn't hurt to, to yeah. wait, and you know yeah. honestly there's a disturbance when a deer dies to some degree you know there's yeah. and there were two other deer that peeled off from Mm-mm. from um the group there and um so had we have gone after her right away you know yeah. we would have just added to that yeah. that disturbance and mm-hmm. um uh of course the next day i ended up shooting uh, my first ever well i shot that buck the year before but i didn't i didn't uh get to recover him uh, mm. but i i got my first uh kill and recovery on a buck the next day and i think you know had we have really been aggressive there because um jake uh after this um We'll we'll talk about it. Jake had to get back home because of some of the obligations that he mentioned, you know, going into this hunt. But Mm -hmm. I went back to that same spot where we started out just because it it had been such a good spot in the past. And that night, so the night Jake killed that deer and we had all that going on with whacking mice and that blind. Mm -hmm. And uh, that deer uh, had that jake killed had died in that middle of that bean field that very night i saw probably close to 15 20 deer um Mm. come right out into where all that was going on and so wow yeah i mean a lot of that has to do with just the kind of curious nature deer can have i think sure but um i think another part of it was jake and i did a decent job as a couple of really new hunters um kind of minimizing our impact on right on an area that that um could have really messed up the hunting for the remainder of the trip you know and Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i think even though we probably could have recovered that deer earlier um it it ended up paying off that we kind of let things settle down and and uh didn't didn't get too crazy there but then jake do you remember the drama of we were like kind of like now what and i i had kind of just figured up to this point I, I think i'd watched maybe one video um like yeah maybe i should double check on how to field dress a deer <laughs> <laughs> and, and i guess i just kind of thought i was going to be like riding a bike you know where i had that one doe that i had I had had the chance to field dress in the past and I just kind of thought it was going to come back to me. And both of us were just kind of like, Oh no, what do we do? Yeah.
2: Right.
3: Oh, I know. We'll just look it up on YouTube. Yeah. Oh wait, there's no surface.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. But we figured it out and Jake actually did, did a lot of the work himself and nice. um, we got it. I do
3: appreciate doing it myself because then it's like,
1: you yeah can it learn that,
3: so it so much better when you
1: yeah it does teach that. you yep for sure and so we we actually did a pretty good job getting it cleaned out and um yeah then jake uh had to head back and um that was kind of the end of your your hunting trip but it was exciting you know it was fun it was it, it, it was definitely one of my favorite hunting memories and and just that feeling of loading it up on the four-wheeler and Mm -hmm. then then putting it in the back of your truck and Mm -hmm. and um you know you getting to haul it home and drop it off at the locker and Mm -hmm. you've you've eaten through that entire deer though and long since right
3: yeah there might be a few strange lost packages in the back of the freezer type thing but <laughs> yeah. for the most part yeah i think so
1: yeah so jake's due for another another kill so yeah um we went hunting jake went hunting again this year mm-hmm. and uh not you kind of talk to us about your preparation now after so going into this last season uh some of the things you did uh to to make this past season happen
3: Yeah, well, I was running out of time on my uh, (laughs) two-year apprenticeship. So as the great procrastinator I am, I think I I looked at, it was probably a month before we left. I don't know, maybe a couple weeks before we left. I I got an email from the Iowa DNR, and it said, all your progress you will lose if you don't finish this in four days or something like that. (laughs) And I had finished like half of it. And I was like, Oh no. Yeah. And so every night for like four days, I think I did an hour or two of going through all those slides just so I could mm-hmm. get it done.
2: Mm-hmm. I think yep. I
3: finished maybe a night early or something. And yeah, so I got my Hunter safety license and that made me feel really good, you know, I just I finally got it. I don't ever have to go through that again. I mm-hmm. I think it's nothing's holding me back now. So um so I felt good. It's something I'd always wanted to do. I, it was always kind of in the back of my mind throughout the years. So oh, I really should work on that. I really should get that done. And so, and it was just a lot of fun too, not doing little bits and pieces of it. Yeah. Uh, just doing it all at once because then it was fun information to learn. It wasn't like boring, dry stuff. Mm-hmm. But they they mm-hmm. do a good job of doing videos and strategies and um it's put together really well and it's not cheesy.
1: Um, so
3: I really appreciated that. And so it was, it was fun. It was, it was laborsome, but it was, it was good material to go through.
0: Well, I I think it was interesting what you mentioned earlier, you know, just about, you know, that, that thought process of, of being an adult and having to go to a class, you know, with 12 year olds and whatnot, you know, and I remember when I took, the hunter safety course. I, you know, I was very young when I took it and, sure. you know, back then, you know, you did have to go to a specific class. In fact, Delaware, just even a couple of years ago, even as of a couple of years ago, you, you had to go to a class, but now they've since done it online and you can, you know, you have to do a field day to finish it, but, you know, <laughs> kind of what we've been talking about a little bit as well, but what would you say to someone who is, you know, kind of on the fence with, you know, oh, the hunter safety course, you know, this, that, what, what would you say to someone like that? Who's considering it?
3: Mm-hmm. I'd say definitely do it um, if you can do it online that's definitely the way to go mm-hmm. but if not I mean it's only a day or two mm-hmm. in class stuff and you'll be so much happier once you get done because it's kind of a weight that you have hanging on you that yes you, I, I don't I bet you I thought about it since I was a freshman in high school till yeah was 25 I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a good
2: yeah. 10
3: years I had that weight on my shoulders and yeah. then, so when I finally got it done, I was so thankful that I did it. And now, um, I can focus on other things uh, yes. instead of just thinking about that all the time. Well, yes, before I can think too hard about going hunting, I probably should do my hunter safety. Um, yeah. so I definitely just, just get it done. Um,
2: yeah, and
1: yeah. Yeah, it's I would awesome. like. I'd like to echo what Jake said. With a lot of the information is, it is truly interesting. You know, yeah, it's, it's kind of like when you're in school as a student and you get to that. I don't know, maybe a handful of lessons, and you're you're just like dialed in, and it's like, mm-hmm. man, this is really interesting stuff. Whether that, yes, you know, whether that be um, history class, and you're learning about. You know something really interesting for that that happened in history, or for me, you know, is usually, um, if not history, I I have always loved history. But getting into the ecology side of of my studies, you know, just. L- just drinking that up. I would echo what Jake said when when you're going through those classes try not to have, you know, that uh, negative attitude that a lot of times we we kind of get into a bad habit of when we are doing schooling where it's kind of like, I don't want to do this. It's a, it's a yeah. requirement. No, drink it up because it's more than just make sure your gun is never pointing in the wrong direction. You know, it's it's more yeah. than it's more than that. It's it's yeah. It does go through. You know why why do we call it a twelve gauge and a a ten gauge and a twenty gauge? Mm. And so, you know, it's mm-hmm. little stuff like that. Or how does a gun actually work? What are the mechanisms that mm-hmm. make it work? And you know, so it is really good information that that just gives you a deeper knowledge of. What all goes into hunting, you know and right? yeah, and I think, like Jake said, I think I even remember there being some talk on some different hunting strategies you know mm-hmm. all stuff that for a new person getting into it, I think there is some benefit if you are an adult mm-hmm. and uh, a first gen hunter that that is like, Ugh, I don't really want to do this stuff. I think you will actually enjoy the content and not just have to survive the content, mm-hmm. you know yeah, great point, great point.
3: yeah, it was definitely new stuff i hadn't learned before and i've had a lot of especially my best friend he talked to me about hunting every single time we were together so i i knew a lot i guess just knowledge wise about it because he talked about so much but there was still new content as a first generation hunter that i didn't know and so um it's not just repetitive stuff that you already Mm. know it's Mm -hmm. um it's good stuff so great
1: yeah yeah for sure so you finally didn't have to borrow a muzzle loader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's
3: right yeah i also bought a loader. nice i don't know it was probably a couple weeks before then too wasn't it I yeah can't somehow
1: you got a chance though to, i think you went to my grand our, our grandparents and sighted it in there is that <laughs> right with grandpa
3: yeah yeah i think me and Gigi were at uh um shields one day and i was like boy i really need to get a muzzler before we leave i don't want to ask again kind of didn't want to take advantage and so i bought one it was on a good sale
1: yeah killer and, sale
3: yeah and uh the cva so i can't have a cva and i really like that and uh, kind of how it was kind of the it was just just a real nice gun and so i got that and then i think we might have even been on my way to my grandparents when i bought it um so then I was able to sight it in there, and yeah, I felt pretty comfortable with it of being able to shoot it accurately. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was just iron sights, no scope. So um, I knew I, I couldn't get a super far shot with it, but yeah, um, I felt okay if I if I could shoot something a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that, then I was really excited because then it's your own gun, uh, your own yeah. stuff, and you got your hunter safety, so you can go to your own place by yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah, it was really getting exciting then. Well, it was kind of
0: cool. You're talking just like about your personal journey, you know, because you started out, you know, kind of uh, hesitant to complete the, you know, the hunter safety course because of some of these, you know, thoughts that you had, and then you, you know, you decided to, you know, start with the apprenticeship side of things. Brother's able to help you, you know, you basically come full circle to where you get an opportunity, you take a deer, you end up getting your own gun, you know, you're sighting it in. I mean, it's kind of cool to just see mm-hmm. that process of journey over just a few years to go from, you know, having an interest in it. You've done it a few times to, wow, kind of really falling in love with it, which is mm-hmm. pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You you know, it's like you, we all have that, you know, we all have our own story and you talk about, you know, enjoying the adventure side of things of a hunting trip. And, you know, it's kind of how all of us get into it, you know, is, is, you know, loving the adventure, you know, someone usually is helping us, you know, in the, in the beginning and we learn and we grow and we figure things out and we make mistakes and then we come back the next year and, you know, have an opportunity to learn from that. And, you know, you just see how. You can just see how how passionate people can become about it because it's just it's a never ending game of you know learning and growing and figuring things out and when you can do it with someone else it makes it that much better and so to experience all of that as a first gen hunter firsthand is, is you can just feel the excitement that someone has as they continue to go through that whole mm-hmm. process. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I would I would definitely echo that, Brandon. Um. So uh, we're, we're getting close to time when we need to wrap this one up, but I do want to talk about how your season was, um, this last year, you didn't get to do much hunting. You're pretty busy. Um, but how did, how did, uh, deer season go this year after following up after your successful year, the, the year before? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So I didn't get to go in October this year. Um,
1: just, just a
3: busy time, uh, again. Um, so, uh, we went in January again, and uh, that's also usually a busy time too, because you get done with Christmas and visiting mm, yeah. family and yep, everything, yep. and so yep. you don't have much. You think you'll have much time because it's like, oh, it's after Christmas, you know, we're done with work for the year for a month or so, and so I'll have all the time in the world, but that's not how it goes. And
2: <laughs> uh,
3: so, um, yeah, we were planning on taking uh, quite a few guys, but as time got closer, um, other people kind of fell off, you know, they got busy with other things too. we hadn't really made a real solid plan, but me and Kent knew where we were going. And then, uh, we asked one of our other good friends, uh, was the youth pastor of church and, uh, we, he was just like us. We got along real well. And so he oh, went yeah. along with us and Great so guy. we were super excited about that. And even he, uh, it's just he had to get back soon too we had a mm. we couldn't stay like multiple days we could only be there for about a day and a half two days and so um yeah so we were all excited to head out there together um and uh yeah we just it was just super exciting it's fun to take someone else with you mm-hmm. uh, like uh it's fun going with camp but it's also fun going with other people too that Enjoy it, and he's been a long time hunter since he was a kid. Oh, okay, from yeah. Utah, so yeah, he kind of gets to hunt really cool places. But um, so it was just it was a good group to go with. Um, it was definitely fun, a good adventure, and yeah, I don't know if you have
1: any more questions on that. Um, I can well, keep well, talking you, about you the story. You did uh you did run into a few deer, right? I think I had. I don't know, maybe we all probably saw about an equal number of deer, but I think Jake's saw more deer on more sits for this hunt, but there was a kind of a problem there, right?
3: Yeah. So the first night, um, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. It did happen the first night, first night we got there, we went, uh, I went to the spot that we usually see deer at and I wasn't really seeing anything. And I was thinking back to my hunter safety I was like, do you have to quit an hour, a half hour before sunset or half hour after sunset? Mm. I was like, oh man, I don't know. I think it's a half hour before sunset. So I was <laughs> like, alright guys, I'm headed back to the truck. And Kent's like, what are you doing? You still have an hour. <laughs> I was like, oh really? And so I'd walked like halfway back to the truck by then. So I uh, sat down where I was basically. And no, I think I had to go to the bathroom. And So I was going to the bathroom, and (laughs) these three does popped up right in front of me. I was like, whoa! (laughs) And, of course, I couldn't shoot right away. They were running really fast away from me. Mm -hmm. And then, so I was like, oh, this might be a good spot. And so I (laughs) kind of nestled, I walked just a little bit farther up by this pond and nestled myself in to some really short little pine trees. Nothing could really see me unless it was right in front of me. And I heard some grunting and I was like no way I had been thinking earlier I was like man it'd be really awesome if a deer just walked out right in front of me right here and I heard some grunting and I was like no way I mean it's about <laughs> I got 30 minutes before the end of the flight. Mm-hmm. there's no way that's a deer and then I kept hearing more and more and I was like what in the world and this buck ran out right in front of me but he was on the neighbor's property so I was like oh man I'll just watch oh. to see if he'll hop the fence and yeah. come away. And so I kind of waited. But then I kept hearing more and more grunting. And it got to the point where it was like five minutes, five to ten minutes before needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And I, I could still see him And so I kind of just stood up to watch him and try to make some noise. Maybe I'd scare him to hop the fence or something. But I was kind of just watching them at this point. It was just fun to watch them. And, yeah, there was, I think, three or four 10-point bucks. Wow. 10 to 15 yards away from me.
1: Oh. And
3: I just could just sit there and watch them. I couldn't shoot them or anything, but I didn't really care at that point. I don't even know if I had yeah. gun, really had my gun in my hands at that point. Mm. Just you just watching. enjoying it. Yeah. and yeah. yeah. I kind of yeah. just walked out plain sight. They could see me. They knew I was there, but they didn't mm-hmm. really care. They just kind of kept munching on what they were munching on and uh, watching things. And, yeah, so I saw four there. And then I think maybe even a – it was either the fourth or the fifth buck right when I was packing up everything. He came sprinting across. and He was a smaller one, but it was just neat to see that many bucks in one area. Usually, if you're lucky, if you shoot, see one, but I saw yeah. four or five in a matter of wow. 50 minutes. And so that really got me excited for the next day. Yeah, And then – Uh, So we went to bed that night and went out again the next day, and again, I was sitting out there, and I saw probably eight to ten does in the neighbor's field, probably, I don't know. Mm. It it was a long ways away. You could barely see them. You could only see them with your binoculars, really. Yeah. Um, So I was like, oh, they're probably come walking this way to go back to the timber. And so I sat there, and I just watched them through my binoculars for a long time, just It's kind of fun just to watch deer, how they move across the field over time. Um, Mm -hmm, They don't stay in one spot. They kind of just keep moving as they go. And then they kind of just disappeared into this other little valley that I couldn't really see into. And so I kind of just waited and waited, and they never came out of there. Um, And then I think we went and got lunch and came back, and I don't think... I saw any more deer that night but i think daniel might have and kent did maybe um but it was just it was again awesome to see that many deer i think total all of us we saw 35 deer i think we counted up
1: wow nice just uh just a few but they're all kind of just
3: too far away or on the neighbors or Mm -hmm. they're just we saw a lot but we didn't get a lot of opportunities um but, yeah. So it it was just a it wasn't a successful one. But again, it was a cool adventure. I got a cool story being able to see all those bucks there.
2: Yeah.
3: And, um. Yeah, and it's just it's a cool setting, nice setting. It was perfect weather. Um, and yeah, it was it was fun. So I'm excited to go this year. Um. Yeah. Looking forward to it.
0: It sounds like some solid bucks around that area still, you know, hopefully there and ready to, you know, obviously have had another year to grow bigger. So hopefully it's going to be some pretty mm-hmm. awesome stuff for you guys.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Kent, we put a trail camera up there when I was out there in May of that year, I think. And then we got it at when we were done hunting and there's a lot of deer out there, a lot of big bucks. So Beautiful.
1: Yeah, man. We got a lot of, a lot of high hopes for next year. Speaking of which, What's your goal for next year, Jake? The
3: goal for next year? Um, maybe to set aside a little bit more time uh, to hunt. Uh, maybe sure. plan it last, or or like, I, I always plan it ahead thinking, yeah, I'll, we'll go for a few days and mm-hmm. I'll just make it work when it comes. But taking the time to really set it in stone, put it on the calendar um, and work it out with schedule wise. Uh, with everybody, and that way you can, you don't feel so rushed going into it, and um, feel like going 90 miles an hour before you even get out there. Um, right. And so maybe just slowing down a little bit, um, thinking about it more, um, but, yeah, I'm just, I just really like the, just going out there and seeing deer. Um, I like shooting, them. I really like, enjoyed shooting that one, but I really like seeing them, watching them, and
1: just being out there and enjoying
3: yeah. it, enjoying the adventure. So,
1: Yeah, so would you say all of your experience so far has pretty well locked you in as a lifetime hunter now, do you think?
3: Yeah, I think so. And I've been very fortunate that I've seen that many deer. A lot of people, they mm-hmm. sit outside for several times before they even see anything. Uh, yeah, So yep. that's true. And then it's nice. Because then you feel like you're doing something right if you're seeing deer, whereas you could be doing everything right, but if the deer aren't there, the deer aren't there, so Mm -hmm. start Mm second-guessing yourself. So I've been very blessed to see that many deer, Um, and not every first-gen hunter will get that opportunity. There'll be a lot of heartache, I'm sure, but I've been very fortunate.
1: And we've addressed that before Brandon where don't don't give up right you know that's if, right if you're not if you're not seeing them you know you got to kind of view it like Jake just mentioned there with it's just good to be out it's good there's something Absolutely. Diff- there's something different about being on the landscape when you have a gun in your hands and you know you're participating in the ecosystem as as a predator you're yeah you're you're fitting in in a way that you you don't quite fit in when you're hanging your tree stand and when you're shed hunting and when you're hanging trail cams, you know, all that stuff is a ton of fun and a huge part of the process. But I think, I think kind of the romance behind hunting is that feeling that you cannot replicate, uh, when you're truly, um, a part of how things are going to be working, you know, how, Yeah. how, how, uh, eating takes place in the wild right and how yeah how food acquisition happens in the wild and mm-hmm. i think that's kind of what jake's talking into and he, and he mentioned the adventure of it and certainly the the adventure that goes into trailing a deer or or you know maybe uh like you you know when you're think you're it's, you need to head back to the truck an hour before you have to. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, uh, that's... well, and it's
0: interesting how even little facets like that, you know, you, something might change in your hunt and you, you get up and you change location a little bit and then, wow, you end up seeing, you know, some, some great bucks, you know, maybe they're on a neighbor's property or whatever, but you're having the experience and, yep. you know, that experience is what continues to, to, you know, draw you to, you know, getting out there, you know, and so it's, it is, you know, for, for those of us who are seasoned hunters, you know, where maybe we have, you know, opportunity to hunt, you know, land that you know, is has has a fair amount of deer, or maybe you know have access uh, to land that has a lot of deer. You know, once again, reaching out and trying to encourage people in your circle to get out. You know, if you, it's 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 like you know we've talked about this before. It's like taking a kid fishing. You know, you don't you're not going to take a kid on a deep sea fishing trip. You know, to go yeah. fishing for tuna that where they might have a you know a ten percent chance to to see someone catch a fish. Mm-hmm. You're going to take them out on a dock with a bobber and some you know some some real worms, and you're going to try to you know let them reel in you know a fish and and you know start to get the taste of it you know the same thing for for shin hunters, you know, if you have the ability to to you know mentor someone, you know, being able to just get them out and even even take them out in a in a high profile spot, you know, just in a feeding area, you know, hey, get you know see some deer, you know, just start to get the experience, you know, start the conversation going. It's only going to help them, you know, really grab a hold of it and want to have interest in it, you know. And so, if you have opportunity to influence, you know, someone like that, you know, give them that opportunity. You know, not everyone has the the opportunity to, you know, have land that it's in the family or, or private land to lease or whatever. So, you know, if you have the opportunity to reach out and and influence someone like that, give them the best chance that you can to, to really enjoy it, you know, and it may be a year or two before they end up harvesting an animal, but to just be able to see it and experience that full adventure, um, the conversations and the camaraderie that is spawned out of that can really take someone from being on the fence to wow this is something that I really foresee myself doing the rest of my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well said. Well said. For sure. Well, Jake, uh, we should uh, let you get on with your your evening. We don't want to we don't want to wear out the good graces of uh, your wife uh, and <laughs> <laughs> just with talking about hunting, we got to save that for the actual hunting season. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I but get it is that's in
0: the morning. I mean, it, it's, i tell you what, it's, it's awesome to hear from another first gen hunter and someone who is, you know, is, is really still, and even in process, falling in love with it, enjoying it, you know, and as we all get older, you know, we have kids, we have family, you know, time is precious. And so, you know, being able to get out there, even if it is just for, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's, it might be a week or two worth of hunting time in the entire season that that's what they have. And, you know, being able to make the most of it. And, you know, when you have that little bit of time it becomes really meaningful you know i remember when i was a teenager and you know when i was a teenager you know all literally all i did other than school was hunt and fish all the time i mean you know and and back then you know it's obviously easy to take it for granted you know now you know you have less and less time so it, you know, the cool thing about it, though, is it makes you enjoy it that much more and it does make you treasure the times where you spend, you know, time in the outdoors with people that you care about. And so it really does, in that sense, make it so much more meaningful, which is pretty neat.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yep. Couldn't say it
1: better myself. Well, Jake, thanks a ton for jumping on with us tonight. Hope, hopefully we'll have you back. Maybe we can uh, talk about your first buck. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> hopefully this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like you said, we got to schedule that time. I'm still trying to Jake really likes bow fishing. He's been doing a lot of bow fishing and he's been
0: Yeah, that's amazing.
1: He's been he's been cleaning up with that this summer and I'm trying to convince nice. him to pry the uh um bow fishing uh rig off of his uh bow and start uh start into a little bit of start working towards some bow hunting so that he can There
0: you go.
2: Nice.
1: have a little bit more flexibility for Mm -hmm. for that but we'll see well thanks again jake and uh hope you um hope you uh can get off some more time this year so we can we can uh chase some some uh big whitetails together
2: Mm
3: -hmm. yeah thanks for having me it's uh it's a blast so for sure look forward to hearing all the other episodes
1: good good thank you and as always brandon it's it's a uh, it's a treat having you on here. Remember to uh, follow Brandon at Hunt Fish Life, and you'll find those resources where Brandon. Um, so you find us on Facebook, you know, you search for Hunt
0: Fish Life, um, we're on Instagram, uh, you know, our website is thehuntfishlife.com. And, you know, once again, we're, we're celebrating everything related to hunting and fishing, sharing stories, building friendships, encouraging, uh, these first gen hunters, you know, to continue in the sport, uh, for those who aren't into it yet, love to, to get them into it. And so that's what we're all about, you know, and so it's pretty cool to be, all about something where you're just celebrating just an amazing pastime and building memories and friendships. So excited to do that and excited to continue that as we move forward to the next season. Awesome. Awesome.
1: Yep. And uh, you can always find more First Gen Hunter content at firstgenhunter.com. And for Jake and Brandon, hope you guys get some time in to uh, do some of that off-season prep work. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you guys later. Well, how was it? Sorry if you have nightmares about being shut in a plywood box with mice crawling all over you, but at least that dream ends in venison. I want to give a big thanks to Brandon and Jake for donating their time, and as always, a huge thank you to you, First Gen fam. If you aren't following me on Instagram, at first.gen.hunter, or on Facebook, just search in the search bar, First Gen Hunter, and look for the logo or on go wild you can just uh look up kent voucher or you can uh, go to firstgenhunter.com where you should be going anyways and you can not only find all that other helpful hunting information but you can uh, find a link to my go wild profile so until we join up on the airwaves again take care and take someone hunting